is 1.37 p.m. Stories of hustle and grind from the intersection of culture, style, music, and sports. What's going on, everybody? Jeff Sheesby, a.k.a. the old man who bats alongside my main man, Ant Latino, a.k.a. the odds fell. This is short-term high volatility investments where we talk about sports trends, we talk about sports betting, and we hopefully find areas of opportunity to cash in and make some profits. Ant, great day for a great day. How are we doing? We're happy to be back. I, I just wanted to start the show, though, with a, with a special apology here. I think uh, in episode one, I meant to do this in episode two, but I was so jacked up with, with emotion that I, I forgot to do it then, too. So I'm way behind. Uh, I got to give an apology. We do a little fact check after episode every episode. Jeff and I get together. We say, what went wrong? What went right? Where did we fumble the stats? Where did we make a mistake? And I made a huge mistake. I accused the Larry Hughes, former shooting guard in the NBA, of you know triple double chasing and uh who i really meant was ricky davis so sorry mr larry hughes i gotta move on gotta get that off my chest before we dive into episode three yeah i appreciate your honesty and you know it takes a big man to admit that they're wrong or that they're wrong <laughs> putting the ego aside you know shout out to ego death from uh, ty dollar sign skrillex but that is uh that's huge and Ant, from the bottom of my heart i do forgive you happy to be back hell yeah man yeah, let's talk about this last week for a second here. Uh, a roller coaster, personally, for me in sports betting. You know, I had the reverse sweep on Monday after going five and one on Sunday. Uh, a sobering moment, but, you know, I'd love to quickly touch upon, you know, your thoughts on diamond hands, you know, on sticking to your guns, regardless of those good nights. How do you re- remove the stress from the scenario? How do you find the confidence to go back to the well the next day and quite literally keep betting? I think you got to stay pretty consistent. And I think you see way too much on gambling Twitter or people following picks. They, they want to follow the hot hand and that can work out well for a period of time, or if you catch it at the right time. But if you're really serious about following somebody's picks or getting their insights, you should look at what they do long-term over time, right? I think you and I have both been pretty successful, um, you know, tracking things on, on Twitter and being transparent, but even going back before that in terms of how we bet sports and how we approach it. And I think if you find a model and you find an approach to a particular sport, you should stick with it. You should st- still try to drive that, right? I got hammered last night. That doesn't mean I'm going to, you know, not, you know, continue diving into the NBA. I might re, you know, focus where some of my energy is or how I approach a slate, but you really got to get back out there with some of that volume betting and, and continue the trend. I don't think I'm going to continue getting to your point, reverse swept and losing every bet. Um, you know, you're going to have some of those ebbs and flows. I mean, what's, what's the best percentages you see out there? What 55 to 60%? Like that's not a, that's not a huge, you know, percentage mark in, in the business. It's, it's tough. Yeah. And then, you know, I always try to think about the other side of that, right? That means I'm losing between, you know, 47 and 45% of my bets. And, right. you know, I've tracked over, I think close to 4,000 bets at this point since 20, uh, 2018, I guess it is time is flying here, but <laughs> that's over 2000 losses for anybody out there listening. Uh, so for me to lose my cool after a reverse sweep or anything else, you know, knowing that we have hit those seven and oh, eight and oh, nine and oh nights, you know, they both happen kind of at the same frequency. And, you know, I was having a conversation with Chelsea from, uh, from Nashville, you know, frequent on the, on the sports grid and, and Ariel, and they were saying, you know, my positivity, something to the tune of like not getting mad when Kemba Walker goes one for 10 and doesn't hit my, my prop over, you know, I think it's one of those things of just consistently level setting expectations, knowing that guys have off nights, 
But if we think that there's an edge there, you know, we're going to continue to bet it. And, and if they have an off night, then that's fine. You know, whatever. If I'm now jaded against Kemba, I'll probably then fade him in a spot that I should be betting him. Uh, and then I'm now double down, uh, doubling down on losses. And, and, you know, that doesn't help anybody. So I agree with everything you said. You know, I think bankroll management helps alleviate some of that stress. Bet money you can lose. Um, you know, I think the one one hundredth of your bankroll is a, is a general rule of thumb. That means I'm never losing sleep over my bets kind of one way or the other. And as that bankroll increases, you and in can increase your bet size, uh, which I guess at the end of the day kind of boils down to get rich slowly. Right. It's a it's right. a grind. It's a process. I mean, you always say, right. Bet, bet by bet we build. And I think Amen. that's important. Right. It, you know, a little bit of positivity in a night. I think my Monday and Tuesday compared to my awful Wednesday that I that I referenced was a little bit of profit each night. Right. It was not even a unit. I think it was like a hair less than a unit. Right. And that's something we'll get into more on some of the educational side in the future. You know, those are okay. It's okay to grind out, you know, an, an even day or a slowly profitable day. And that's bet by bet. We build a little bit of profit builds. Then you get to a, a bad night or a really good night and you're going to wash that one way or the other. But you you want to continue kind of that that building mechanism. So, you know, it's tough. It's tough. I think one thing I'd recommend too, and that I do sometimes, I think you do as well in some of the volume uh, sports or depending on if you're taking more of a volume approach is lower that unit size a little bit, right? Like if you do like the slate, you don't drop it to a half unit or a quarter unit and play some more games. That also might be something to test something new out. Um, mm -hmm. you know, if you are approaching things a little bit differently. So just little tidbits and things you can do along the way. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. And you know, the funniest part, I locked out on that reverse sweep, dude. This was the, the craziest night that I profited off of a reverse sweep because I played most of those guys in my daily fantasy slate and none of them hit their point totals, obviously, you know, that's an O for there, but they all stuffed the stat sheets playing like a really good team basketball I ended up getting overall dollars yeah. yeah yeah so it was like that was like literally the first time that i've had such a you know usually those those kind of nights are correlated right where right. uh you know if your bets do well your daily fantasy you're you know similar guys similar spots but that was the first night i think in my, my betting career where my fantasy lineups went off when my bets were were abysmal so apologies to everybody obviously who tailed those uh you know selfishly grateful that was able to turn 26 into a hundred dollars that night. And then I don't know if you saw the tweet ad, but I then doubled down on that the next night, got to 500 and then went all in with that $500 the night after, put in 94 lineups and turned that into 1.5 K not a recommended strategy. Honestly, That's I was what feeling, we call the snowball uh, effect. Yeah. A little dangerous. I was living dangerously. I was feeling really good uh, kind of about where my analysis was there. And uh, nonetheless, you know, here we are, but enough about us. Let's talk about some topics before we then get into Saturday, Sunday, preview of the nba we'll have a couple spots to target of course we don't have lines for those yet because it is thursday afternoon friday eve but i know one thing we want to touch about here you know there's been some some murmurs some drama some things going on in the nfl let's talk about quarterbacks and where do we want to start quarterback carousel i i think first and foremost you got to start maybe just overall what these guys mean to these franchises what these guys mean to the league right the league has obviously transformed a little bit you see a lot more passing heavy attacks you see some of the college you know air raid offenses uh rpo style offenses making their way into the nfl a little bit more a lot of these guys can make more of an impact right out the gate because of some of those changes and what they're running in college you know relative to the pros obviously speed other things are changing but you know these guys are becoming you know so essential to the franchise right it almost feels as though everything is built around it you know mm -hmm. Do you yeah, get that and, sense you know, as well a hundred percent, man. And it feels like it's going more and more towards, you know, kind of like an NBA model, right? That right. 
you know, these guys, the players are demanding power. They're demanding organizations, you know, live up to their talent. They're not going to just throw their, their careers away playing for a shitty team. Like there used to be that loyalty to an organization. That's not showing that loyalty to them by spending, by bringing in talent all of a sudden, you know, it's an equal playing field. And I think that makes sense. You know, we look at what Russell Wilson walked out of a meeting today, you know, probably going to get traded. You've got Carson Wentz. Of course, his numbers were lacking. We'll get into that in just a second, but you know, he's demanded a trade and who else do we have up there? I think it's the, you know, you made some great points in our notes here. Aging, uh, aging big Ben, I think is, is having some problems with management. That's not as much on him, you know, from a personal standpoint, like some of these others, as it is, you know, from the other side of the organization saying, well, we also want to make a move, right? We don't want to tie up our dollars in this guy. Dallas is another situation where Dak wants money, right? The injury aside, I think Dak was going to get paid, but the real element was, was he going to get a long-term deal and this right. money be tied up for a long time? Or are they taking these one-year franchise tag hits? Um, because I think one thing I wanted to highlight and talk to you about a little bit before we get into even some of the other players is like the dilemma that you now face because of the money tied up in these quarterbacks, right? You haven't, it's tough for some of these teams in these franchises that have to tie up all that salary cap that you, you typically don't see the success for them afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. Like look at Seattle and Philly. Those Super Bowl rosters were built on quarterbacks on rookie contracts, right? Mm-hmm. The value of having those guys on a low deal for three to five years as you stockpile the rest, maybe you load up more on weapons on offense or you load up more on you know defensive players and studs that you can overpay because you're not allocating that money elsewhere in the quarterback position it's it's really a an interesting juxtaposition yeah and it almost feels like you know you've got the patriots way as the extreme frugality outside of you know they obviously paid tom for all those years and you know i think when we think about you know brady going to tampa bay right that was like the first time we really saw uh you know a guy signal the bat the or throw up the bat signal into the sky and then players came to play with him you know not right. just similar to lebron not just similar to harden kd and, and irving right like you know i think it's going to move more and more in that model and you know maybe there's more you know incentive based contracts so they can still build a team around them i don't you know these guys who want to win they're smart players they know they can't win without 52 men on the roster, 53 men on the roster, excuse me. Um, so, you know, Dak is such a good example where it was like, yeah, don't pay Dak. And then all of a sudden he gets hurt. They're the worst team in the league. So it's like, ha, yeah. 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 Okay, Jerry, you know, perhaps there's a correlation here. <laughs> you. Maybe you should have paid the guy. But right. I mean, right. oh, either way, maybe you get a discount on him now coming off that injury. I would have rather maybe. They, they, they pay Dak and they didn't pay Zeke. But that's a whole other topic for a whole other time about running backs. <laughs> Yeah, we don't have to, enough time to get into that one today. But let's talk about Carson Wentz, right? Yeah, the guy that. disgraced out of Philadelphia goes to the Colts. What do you think? Was was he the problem, or were the Eagles the problem? I mean, it was tough to it's tough to watch him and see some of those games. And you know, it's not like I watched film and broke this down. But you know, you did see some of the struggles just watching Sunday in and out. Uh, he was holding onto the ball a lot more. He wasn't getting rid of it despite some of his playmaking ability. Um, he did struggle statistically. I think when you look at the ranks you know, in terms of quarterback play, he was down at the bottom of the list, but, you know, to flash back to what he was two years ago, right. Um, you know, he was a strong performer, uh, even as a young guy, uh, look good. I, I ultimately think you're going to get a guy in Indy with a chip on his shoulder, uh, that fits nicely into an offense and, and a team, you know, that's trending upwards, right. They have a talent rich roster. So I'm excited to see it despite the challenges. I, I think you're going to get a motivated Carson Wentz. Yeah, man, I couldn't really agree more. And, you know, trying to answer that question, is it Carson Wentz or is it the Eagles? I, I looked into some data here. 
Uh, looking at offensive line rankings from Football Outsider, specifically looking at adjusted sack rate, I thought it was the best you know stat that I could find. I was trying to look for PFF's offensive line rankings, but I couldn't find any good just charts. It was all articles. In the interest of time, I decided to go with adjusted sack rate as my uh, as my KPI here. But you know, we look at Tom Brady. Let's start there, right? He's won seven rings. Uh, every one of those years outside of one of them, essentially, we've got 2020. He's had the third ranked offensive line. 2019, the fifth ranked. 2017, the 13th ranked, still above average. 2015, 18th. You know, that we're teetering worst. into. Right. We're teetering into into middle middle territory here. 2005, number six. 2004, number five. 2002, number seven. Right. So either way, above average or at least at league average or better the entire time. Uh, and his numbers were pretty good, right? You know. And, and then we look at Carson Wentz here. 2017, where he had a 33 to seven touchdown interception ratio, a 12th ranked offensive line. 2018, 18th was their offensive line. He had 21 and seven that year. 2019, he had an 11th ranked offensive line. He goes for 27 and seven. Enter 2020, he's got the 31st ranked offensive line. He goes for 16 and 15. He gets laughed out of Philadelphia as a quarterback who can't throw the ball. And these stats just don't really make any sense to me. I don't think it's a Carson Wentz problem. I mean, who was he throwing to? That's an entire different issue. So no draft, line, no receivers, no time. To get receivers. They've reached on receivers like a like a Rager from TCU was a reach. You know, he hasn't come around compared to some of the draft class of wide receivers in that draft. Yeah. And then so let's look at the Colts here for a second, right? 2017, the 32nd ranked offensive line. Andrew Luck gets hurt. He's considering retirement. He comes back in 2018. And what happens there? They have the second ranked offensive line. Obviously, he retires because he went through so much of a beat down in there that he said, guys, I can't take it anymore, Uh, which also was a a, a sad, sad day for me in the sense that the Andrew Luck is a a colonial commander on Twitter account. Great account. Now is is a little more dormant than I would like it. I always really, really enjoyed those. But Nonetheless, 2018, number two, 2019, number seven, 2020, number seven. So I don't think Carson Wentz is the issue in Philadelphia. You know, I'm happy to eat those words if he goes to, to Indianapolis and it's still terrible, but they've got no, the I weapons. Was, they've got yeah. the offensive line. I, I was think higher on them than, than they performed with, with Philip Rivers. And that being said, they didn't win the division. I picked them to win the AFC South. Um, I think that became a tough battle with, you know, the Titans and uh, yeah, yeah, Titans won the division, I believe. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, unfortunately they – at times, Rivers didn't play as well as you would have hoped, but he was an aging quarterback. Uh, on the other side, he's in a way different situation uh, than Wentz. So I'm excited to see what they do, uh, putting him back there. The other big thing, I think, is a reunite. he gets reunited with Frank Reich, mm-hmm. who really was the – probably gets a ton of credit for that Eagles Super Bowl, um, you know, in terms of what they did. We saw some of the quarterback play and the play calling drop off uh, in Philly after that. So, you know, was the coaching in Philly? He's no longer there. More, more to blame. Mm-hmm you know, then a Wentz problem. And it was a combination of the offensive line and the coaching uh, could have been the perfect storm. Right. And, you know, better for him that he's out of there. Yeah, for sure. Can't wait for NFL. It's already March pretty much. So the NFL will be here in what seemingly feels like two weeks, but moving right along here, I think we'd be remiss uh, not to pay our respects to the goat, you know, Tiger Woods, obviously coming into a terrible car crash uh, this week. You know, we wish him the best. I saw that tweet and, and, you know, one, we saw KFC on Barstool tweeting that was a hoax, which turned out to be actually a, a decent 
deep cut joke, obviously. Well, it, you know, wasn't, didn't turn out that well. He apologized right. for it. I forgive right. him as well. But, <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think at the end of the day, I think Rory kind of said it best here, right? That Tiger Woods isn't Superman. And the fact that people are already asking, when is he going to be back golfing? You know, I think we should take a minute to, to reflect on the fact that he is human. He is a father. And the fact that he's even alive after his car ripped off a, a steep hill going too fast uh and then rolled like four or five times had to get pulled out of the the, the windshield uh you know just grateful that that he is still on this planet and with us especially after we saw of course kobe go down next week so yeah i was gonna uh, say it was almost remiss you know reminiscent of that right similar timing time frame mm-hmm. of the year january february uh had some bad flashbacks to, to that moment and and those crashes and those reports and i think you saw so many bad details come out first you know because information is just getting leaked it's on twitter right. It's online, right? Like somebody, you know, was in the ambulance, this, that, like, you can't even keep up with what's actually happening. But once it settled down, you know, at least thankful that he's okay. And I I do think it's interesting in light of the documentaries that have been out there and all these things chronicling his chapters in in life, you get another kind of ebb and flow in this thing, in this story. Like, you know, do I care about the golf and him coming back? No, I'm super happy he won, you know, the last Masters. I'm sure he was a little bit more focused on being a dad, playing more golf with, you know, you saw his son out there in some of those tournaments. So you know, hopefully he gets back to that chapter and, and that's what it becomes and less people worrying about like, is he going to win another major? Is he going to win another right. tournament? You know, it's just not relevant, right? Yeah, yeah. So I guess we wish him the best. Hopefully no foul play. If there was any foul play, you know, hopefully he gets the help that he obviously needs coming off those uh, back surgeries and, and whatnot. But, uh, you know, a couple of nobodies from nowhere. Jeff, she's being Aunt Latino, Tiger Woods. We're rooting for you. Um, you got it. So, yes, pause. And we're moving right along. Cool. Uh, fans are returning to North Jersey and New York. And when am I going to see you at a game? How are you feeling about that? How do I look? Can you see this? There it goes. It looks good. It fits like a freaking glove. Yeah. If you, for you guys who are listening to the audio version of this, Ant is wearing a, it looks like a cream colored quarter zip. And man, it's, is it tasteful with a nice a, Yankees logo right A little bit of a different right color, on. right? For the Yankees. You're used to the grays or the navies or the blue. But I'm saying that Yankee logo looks just as nice on the cream as it does on the navy, which is you know, phenomenal. So yeah, cream on the inside, clean on the outside, baby. That's an ice cream paint job if I've ever seen one. And <laughs> I mean, I've got my gray Yankee hat on and my wolf shirt. So, you know, we're trying to be fashion forward over here because sports is fun. Data is fun, but so is looking good, man. Right. And you're always looking good. love that FDNY hat as well. Repping, uh, repping for the, the workers here responder. in New York. But yeah, man, I mean, we're trending, trending towards fans coming back. Uh, I mean, I think that's huge. The Knicks game on uh, earlier this week, first time the fans were back in there, Randall announces MVP. Yes, had the entire pregame show on where they were literally taking a camera and just shooting it at the Jumbotron. I felt like I was there. I haven't been that hyped for a, a Knicks regular season game in literally years as Randall stood at midcourt. My was a little annoyed that he didn't start out by going something to the tune of New York City. You know, because I would have lost it. I would have jumped through the window and landed on my feet, right? Five floors down. <laughs> I would have stuck the landing, 10 out of 10, ready for the Olympics. Then you would have ran to the garden, I think. Was ran the, was to the, the garden. Yeah, for sure. Blink of an eye. Would have paid $220 for those seats. Exactly. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, I think this is only a good thing, right? The energy was palpable in the garden. Did they end up losing the game? Yes, they did. The Golden State Warriors are a decent team, whatever, neither here nor there. But in terms of normalcy, in terms of the Roaring Twenties kicking off, man, talk to me a little bit about your excitement and, and what you think it'll do to just kind of sports in general. I mean, I'm pumped. I think it's going to be a great visual as you're watching on TV. Great audio and visual, right? But like even the NBA did a decent job, I think, with some of the blackouts. It really looked weird in baseball. And even occasionally football, when you panned out and like there was nothing there, like strange shots, right? So I think getting some of that back, New York is looking at about 10% 
uh, from what I've seen. And I think that's indoor and outdoor. New Jersey is actually messing around with 10% indoor and 15% outdoor. So you do get a little bit of a boost maybe into MetLife Stadium as you talk about the Giants mm-hmm. and the Jets, you know, with football coming. But I'm pumped, you know, baseball being around the corner, that might be another big element and big test for this, right? Yankee Stadium holds uh, 54,000 people. City holds 40, you know, one, 42,000 people. So you get a little bit of a boost, you know, 10% crowds getting in. It's going to be interesting to see the rollout strategy in there. I am a proud, partial, very small, very cheap seat season ticket holder for the New York Yankees in the Bronx. Um, and I'm hoping I get a chance to go to a game. You and I have shared, you know, many beers at uh, Billy's stands and and even within mm-hmm. the stadium walls. And, you know, hopefully we can get back to that. Worst case, I will, uh, I'll meet you at Billy's and we'll do something pregame. Yeah, man. Billy's is an absolute ride. For any of you guys who have never been to Yankee Stadium, uh, you have to go to Billy's. It's like this warehouse right next to the stadium where they're just I think they just kept buying properties and just knocking walls down from what from Yeah, Bud Light's for sure overpriced, but when you're in there, they're pumping like New York only hip hop right before the game starts. And then you sneak in the bleachers entrance because that line is always shorter. That's right. Uh, and then find your seats. But hell yeah, dude. I cannot wait. Uh, that'll be all part of the roaring twenties for me here to be outside <laughs> soaking in cosmic rays, throwing yeah. down ice cold beers, yucking it up with friends, new and old. Get me there. I'm in. Last thing we touch upon here, obviously, before we, before we sign off NBA this weekend, we got some great matchups. Uh, what are you looking at? I've got some thoughts on player props, but we'll defer to you first. Yeah. So before we dive into your player props, uh, I think this has worked out well for both of us the last few weeks. Um, you know, I think I've been targeting sides and totals. The one I'm targeting, and we'll get some more info out on this on Friday after the pod drops, will be Friday night. Uh, I'm looking at the Boston Celtics going up against the Indiana Pacers. The Celtics are coming off a couple lackluster performances. A lot of talk about what's happening in that locker room, some health issues with Kemba Walker. Uh, They are underperforming. Um, the Pacers are plotting along. The Pacers are not a tough, you know, they're, they're still a tough out right in the Eastern Conference. They're also coming off a loss last night to the Golden State Warriors. But ultimately, I do think the Celtics get right internally, uh, get something done. I think they're going to come out with a little more firepower. So I might be targeting a first quarter spread there, first half spread there, or maybe the Celtics overall. So I do want to see the line. I do want to see some of the injuries. Um, but ultimately, I think on a Friday night, you know, Boston shows up to play. So that's where I'm looking. But let's go over to you because I think you, you broke down some some key spots for Saturday. Yeah, I love that, man. Boston just got shellacked, so they should be uh, feeling a little motivated, I would like to hope, uh, for some cold beers and some hot bets. But yeah, one spot I really love uh, on Saturday, we've got this Philly Philly versus Cleveland. Cleveland is ranking 30th in opponent three-point percentage, so that's where I'm starting, and then really trying to hone in on a couple positions. On the three-point side of things, uh, I love the point guard. I love the shooting guard here. Point guard, uh, overall, they're in middle 50 in terms of overall defense, but they are in the bottom 50 in terms of points allowed, the bottom 50 in terms of three-pointers allowed, and the bottom 50 in terms of assists. So that obviously points us right to Simmons, of course, Ben Simmons doesn't shoot three pointers. So that's a little bit of a, a, a kind of a, a whatever statistic terrible against the three, uh, but not a three point shooter. Uh, but nonetheless, there's some good things I think to point out here, of course, you know, with that point guard bottom 50 in terms of points allowed and in assists, Ben Simmons here, I'm looking at that points over regardless third in team in terms of points per game. He's been scoring a lot in the last 10 games, 15.7 points per game in the season average last 10 games, uh, 22.3 uh, that is a little inflated because he did drop 42 against the, the Jazz the other night. But even if we remove that, he's still averaging three points higher than he has been in the last 10 games at 18.7. Uh, his lines have been between 15.5 and 16.5 over the last call it, week and a half. 
Um, so I think, I think if it's at that, I think we look for the over Cleveland you know, for the last two weeks has been allowing the point guard position specifically uh, to allow 32.7 total points. So with Simmons getting most of the run there, I think that's a good, a good play. And I think you could also look for him in assist here. He's been stopping the stat sheet. He leads the team in assists at 7.9 assists per game. The next best there is 3.4, you know, 50% of the overall uh, output. Uh, and I think that's going to be a good spot. He, he's had eight plus assists in five of the last eight games in February, and he's had seven plus assists in six out of the eight. So that line has been hovering around 7.5. Nonetheless, if you would take it every time, you would be coming out a winner here. So I think that's a great spot to target. Uh, two other spots. I think the center position here could be good. Uh, Cleveland in the last 14, day, 14 days is bottom 50 in terms of the center position, points scored, field goal position uh, percentage. Uh, and again, coming back to that 30th in the league, three-point percentage. Embiid averages 1.23s per game. Maybe we get that to two. You know, maybe he hits a third. That's probably pushing it. But nonetheless, that's an additional point uh, that is important. So uh, I think one last spot in that game that I do enjoy, and we're pushing up on time here. Cleveland has been allowing 17 rebounds. Uh, per center in the last 14 days, they're below their bottom 50 in the league there. Uh, Embiid, of course, is a rebounding machine. So I'm looking for Embiid over points. I'm looking for uh, Embiid over rebounds, Simmons points and assists. And if you have to throw a wild card in there, don't sleep on Tobias Harris and the rebounds that as well. Uh, Cleveland versus power forwards, specifically towards re rebounders, uh, hasn't been particularly strong. So uh, obviously we're waiting for lines. We're waiting for injuries, uh, but stay tuned. You know, on Twitter, uh, we'll have plays for both those Friday games and those Saturday games. Yeah. And any last words? No, I think Cleveland is a great spot to target and fade, especially, you know, they, besides last night and the inspired performance against a team that's been even more lackluster than them, I think you've seen a lack of ability. We have a visitor, so you might hear some background noise from uh, from one of, you know, the 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 siblings of the house has came to, to visit the studio. Um, but no, I think Cleveland's been lackluster, so I do love some of those. I love watching Ben Simmons and, and what he can do to staff, stuff the staff sheet, the stat sheet. And I think with uh, Joel Embiid, that's an MVP candidate. So I think you're... You're sniffing around the right areas, old man, and I'm excited to see where it lands. Hell yeah, man. Well, great time as always, Ant. Uh, you know, this is short-term high-volatility investments. We're looking for some cold beers. We're looking for hot bets. We'll talk to you guys next week. Here's all. Thanks. For this is 1.37 p.m. Own your future. Start this minute. 137 p.m. is a Gallery Media Group original production.